find ourselves this morning back in the Lord's house. And a great blessing that it is. But I'll be honest with you, I planned two verses this week, and I'll be happy if I get through the introduction and maybe the first verse, but I doubt it. So this morning we are turning to Revelation, but we are hitting a point in Revelation where God is... All right, so back here again. All right, so again, this morning, bear with me. I'm going to try to diligently keep track of where I'm at. That way I don't go two hours or three. So, because I expect littles will need to move and us older people with back problems need to move as well. So, but let's go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Revelation 14. Again, we have two verses, but in these two verses, especially verse 12, we have such a rich doctrine of the faith. So if you ever pick up a book called Systematic Theology, no matter who it's written by, this is one of the doctrines of faith you will study. And, it's, and the depth of it is great, and it's broad, and there's a lot of material there. So that's why it's going to be, we're going to grind our way through it in a good way. We're going to grind it so that way we can pick up all the little pieces and look at them. We're not going to skim through this. I'm not going to shorten what I have because I feel this is what God wants. So we're going to go ahead and move through verses 12 and 13. And like I said, we'll see where we end up at the end of our time together. So 12 and 13, Revelation chapter 14. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Now, here we come to a great topic. So back in chapter 6, in verse 17 specifically, we had the ungodly calling down the mountains, right? Because the wrath of God and of the Lamb are coming upon them. And they're saying, mountains cover us and hide us from the wrath. And then they ask a great question. And unfortunately, we go back in time like we did with Pontius Pilate, who asked a great question. What is truth? And yet, in the ignorance of sin, we don't realize that we actually ask a great, deep theological question. One that needs answered. Well, in chapter 6 and verse 17, the ungodly asks the question, Who is able to stand? As the wrath of God and the wrath of the Lamb is being meted out on the earth and upon the wicked and the ungodly, who is able to stand? That was the question asked. And it's here in chapter 14, at the end of chapter 14, that we get the answer. And we're going to look at that this morning. Who is able to stand? Because the Bible specifically tells us there are those who will stand. And that is where we place our hope. But it begs of God an answer, and God gives it. God is really good at answering our questions if we but look in his word to find the answer. Oftentimes we ask great questions, but we forget the follow-up, what's the answer? Or we ask a great question, but we don't know what direction to go. Do you ask those who you think maybe could help you with direction? Do you ask your parents if you're a young child still in a home, or even a teenager, or even a young adult still in your parents' home? Do you ask them? Do you find somebody that you look up to spiritually to ask them, hey, where do I go with this question? Or if you're a pastor, what do you do? You talk to other pastors, or you study more until you find out where you're going. But you always need to take your question and find the answer. God is a God who gives answers. 
God is a God who wants to be found. Scripture is full of that. God draws those who seek him. And we only seek him because he draws us. So those beautiful truths, the dichotomy of our faith, right? So when you ask a question or a question is asked in Scripture, look for the answer. Because God will give an answer. Now, again, the hidden things belong to God. There are questions that we have that God just doesn't explain. And you know what that is? That's okay. It's perfectly all right that we don't understand everything. Not only that, we never will because God is God and we are not. We will never fully, completely understand God in his fullness. That's why God is who he is. That's why we're going to have an eternity of praising God that won't end because we can never get to the plumb, the depths of God. Sure, we'll dive deeper. Sure, we'll know more fully. But we will never fully understand God. If we did, he wouldn't be who he is. But this morning, we're going to look at this, this answer more in depth. And we're going to open up the scriptures. And we're going to expound in the scriptures this morning from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Because God's answer is congruent and it sticks together and is cohesive throughout all of scripture. If God gives an answer in the New Testament, you can bet your bottom dollar you're going to find the same answer in the Old Testament. Or vice versa. Because God is truth. In the beginning was the word. And that word does not change, because Christ does not change. And praise God for that, because we don't always have to wonder, is my answer right now as it was then? That's why we can live on the spiritual truths of the word and not give compromise. Do you know Christians compromise because they forget that the irrevocable truth of Scripture doesn't change? It never changes, because God doesn't change. Therefore, we have a permanent foundation to stand upon. We have a permanent foundation on which we can say with confidence, Thus says the Lord God. When you get outside of what God says, you get into man's opinion and you get into trouble. Unless that opinion is based on the word of God, which it must be. Now let's get into our introduction this morning. I haven't even started that yet. So, We need to look at this answer in a great and a fuller picture because God gives one, but it also gives us one of the most comforting doctrines of all of Scripture. Have you guys figured out what that is yet? There's a word in here, a sentence or a phrase in here in verse 12, the perseverance of the saints. It is a great biblical theological doctrine that everybody must come to grips with. If you are of the faith, you must understand what does the perseverance of the saints mean. Now, I asked my family, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday, so they can't answer. But what are some words that come to mind for you when you hear perseverance of the saints? There's a couple ideas that float around in Christendom that explain it, but they fall very far short. Okay, persecution, right? Perseverance of the saints. They are going to persevere through persecution. What else? These are times where I'm actually asking questions and I'd like answers. What else? I gave my family a challenge. Define it in two words. The first word starts with what? No, I didn't. I said the first word starts with an E, the second word starts with an S. Eternal security. Perseverance of the saints eternal security we've all heard the phrase once saved always saved right and as that's true it falls so far short because it takes the responsibility of the believer away and you cannot have perseverance of the saints in that biblical doctrine without the responsibility of the saint we'll get to that well this solid theological doctrine has so much depth to it but you know this is one of the most highly contentious doctrines of scripture you know this is where us and the amish split ways right the amish do not believe in eternal security the amish believe you can lose your salvation there are many others the arminians those who fall outside that do not believe that your salvation is secure that you do not have eternal salvation that you can lose it but how do you lose what is given to you can't and we're going to look at why but before we get there 
I want to look at a phrase that comes up here that we need to understand. Because it sets the stage for everything that we're going to look at when we get into verses 12 and 13. And there's a word in verse 13, uh, in verse 13 that says, blessed. Now, how many of us can think of verses that go, blessed is, or blessed are? We have a head shake. Yup. Most of us think of what? Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, right? Do you know that there are seven Beatitudes given in the book of Revelation? You know what's really neat? Take the conjunction of the word. Be attitude. Do you know what that implies? That means that's an attitude that we are supposed to have. If you have a be, you shall be this attitude. Meaning, God expects us to have a characteristic within us. And when he says, blessed are, or blessed are you, you need to understand what he's saying you are blessed because. Because if you don't understand what you are blessed for... How do you know what attitude to have? God doesn't give a blessing and not tell you how you get that blessing. But when he tells you how to get that blessing, make no mistake, he's giving you the ability to do that. God equips those he calls. He doesn't call the equipped. Because if he called the equipped, then all of us can say in our pride, God chose me because I'm this. And we stand on shaky ground at that point. Because you know what? Everything comes from God. That's why in all things God is glorified. Because it's not of us. If we take ourselves out of the equation, God gets the glory. But God still uses the individual characteristics of the person. Why? Because he's sovereign and he can do that. Because God's powerful enough to take our personalities and not make us robots and we can still obey in faith. We can still walk in faith. Read the scriptures. How often can you hear a portion of scripture and say, oh, I know who wrote that. Why? Because you have a personality behind it. God didn't take these men of his faith, have them write the word of God in a monotone way that you can't understand who they were. He used the personalities of the people to write the scriptures, but they were perfectly and sovereignly ordained. Make no mistake, that's why we can stand firmly on the word of God, because it's God's word. But that word blessed is makarios, in the Greek, it's a neat word, makarios, right? Now you guys have another word you can play with. Makarios, what it means is spiritual joy, bliss, fulfillment, and satisfaction. Or, in other words, it describes the inner joy that is the fulfillment of all our longings, a serene, untouchable, unassailable contentment and peace. I'm going to read that again. It describes an inner joy. So, remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength biblical truth. Let's stand on that faith, right? So, it's an inner joy that is the fulfillment. That's the key phrase. It's the fulfillment of every longing, a serene, untouchable, unassailable contentment and peace. You want peace? Get Christ. You want firmness? Get Christ. You want to be unsaleable? Get Christ. Why? Because Christ is the fulfillment of every promise of God, and that's the only place you can find it. You can have peace and joy in the midst of tribulation. You can have peace and joy in the midst of the greatest sadness you will ever go through. Because God is a God of joy and a God of peace, and he has promised that to his people. Because we look at him and not our circumstances. When we look at our circumstances, we get downcast. When we look at our circumstances, we can get confused. When we look at our circumstances, we can get frustrated, depressed, angry. But when we look at God, we find joy. We find peace. Because there is nothing that can take us out of the hand of God. Because there's nothing that can move us away so far away from God that he can't still be there with us. David spoke that truth often. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I go to hell, you are there. If I find the deepest ocean, you are there. If I go to the farthest jungle, you are there. That truth is manifest in the person of God. God is omnipresent right? Do we understand that? God is always there in the midst of every circumstance that we walk through. It's just whether or not we acknowledge it. That truth doesn't change because scripture doesn't change. Why? Because God is immutable. There's a great word for you. Immutable means God doesn't change. Okay? God is the only thing that's immutable. That's it. So if you want security, go to the thing that doesn't change. 
That's God. But how are we as a people blessed? Before we dive into that, because I know my introduction is going to be really long, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the joy that you bring into our hearts and into our lives as we come into your house this morning to worship as your people. Lord, we have great joy because you have made yourself real to each and every one of us. You have called us by name. You have pulled us out of the miry depths of sin. You have washed us clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you have set us aside as a people for your good pleasure. And in that, we have a responsibility to understand truth. We have a responsibility to walk faithful. Lord, the understanding that you call us to obedience. Because if we love you, we will obey you. Lord, we ask that you will lead us and guide us through your word this morning. That you would be glorified, that you would be praised, and that you would be honored in all things. For the sake of Jesus' great and precious name. Amen. Blessed. How many of us don't want to be blessed? Why isn't anybody raising their hands? Really? Okay, so we all want to be blessed, right? Let me ask it this way. How many of us want to be blessed? Everybody's hands go up, right? Everybody wants to be blessed. How are you blessed? How do you find blessing? Do you know how to answer that? If not, why not? That's my phrase, right? If not, why not? If you don't understand how you are to be blessed, and you want blessing, what are you missing? You're missing an understanding of blessing, right? So if you want to be blessed, but you don't know how to get there, you got to find the roadmap to get you there. That's what we're going to look at. Because God says here, one of the, mo- the greatest beatitudes that doesn't make sense to most people, blessed are the dead. Most of us will read that and kind of like, huh? It kind of doesn't quite make sense because most of the blessings, like, blessed are you if you do these things, right? Well, blessed are the dead. Well, how does that make sense? Well, in order to understand that, let's look at makarios. Let's look at blessing. How does the scripture tell us we are blessed? Or how do we become blessed? So this morning we're going to go through scriptures. So have your Bibles ready and get your fingers warmed up because we're going to be flipping through the scriptures. Okay? God's word tells us how to be blessed, so we're going to look at that this morning. Old Testament, New Testament, because they both fit together. Okay? Turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 1. Let's start at the beginning of the book of Psalm. Psalm 1. Most of us know Psalm 1. Most of us have that on our top favorite list of Psalms. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. How blessed. Okay, so here we have that word, blessed. How is this person blessed? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So here we start off with a blessing of those who do not do something. So blessing doesn't only come from what you do. It also comes from what you don't do. So we don't stand or walk in wicked counsel. We don't seek the ungodly for wisdom. We don't seek those who are wicked to give us good advice. Now, does that mean every piece of advice you hear from somebody that's not saved is bad advice? No. But the basis of that advice is bad because it's not rooted in Christ. Everything has to be rooted in godliness to be good. Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. We don't understand that often because we use the word good in a bad way, right? Oh, you're a good person. No, we're not. Scripture is emphatic about that. If we were good, we wouldn't need Christ because we could stand in our own goodness. So we do not seek counsel from the wicked, nor do we stand in the path of sinners, meaning don't stand where everybody around you is wicked. Surround yourself with the godly. Why is that important? Well, it's hard to do life if you're always surrounded by wicked and evilness, right? That's what the whole point of the church is. To build you up. To encourage you. To help you walk in the way that God has ordained for you to walk. To be equipped. How many of us like to be encouraged? Lord knows I do. 
You know, one of my greatest prayers for pastors is that they are encouraged in the word of God. Why? Because when you're encouraged, you continue to walk in confidence. To get discouraged is to take your eyes off of Christ. What else? Don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you know every time in the scripture that it talks about wickedness and stuff, and it talks about men not being wicked, it tells you not to be complacent. Why? Because you have to walk in the way of righteousness. You have to walk in the way of the light of God's word. You have to walk by the power of the spirit. You have to walk in the fruit and the works of your hands for God's glory. But if you are sitting still, you are stagnant. We are either walking towards Christ or away from him. And when you sit down, you're still walking away. You have to walk in righteousness and not sit complacent and content in where you're at in your life. Why? Because we should all be growing and moving in sanctification. In order to grow in your sanctification or your maturity, you have to be moving towards the source of that maturity. But if you're sitting still, how are you moving towards it? You're not. Verse 2. But. So here we go. we got a great transition word here. But. So if you're not going to do these things, what are you going to do? But. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Do you know where you get that from? It's in your laps. We all have them, right? Bible. The law of the Lord. Do you know there's a lot of great psalms that talk about the beauty, the richness, and the fatness of God's word? So his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Again, it's the thing we are to do consistently at all times and in all things. Read God's word. Understand God's word. Meditate on God's word. Why? Because while your mind is filled with the word of God, you are not going to walk in sin. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect and you'll never sin. Because we do. Because we are fallen. That's the duality of our faith, right? We have the flesh and we have our spirit. And even Paul extrapolated upon that truth. That the things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the things that I know I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. Because our spirit is weak in us because of our flesh. But if we are constantly meditating on the word of God, we should find ourselves walking in obedience to sin less. And finding ourselves walking in obedience to God's word more. That is the beauty of working out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to be active in it. God calls us to that active. You want to be blessed? Be like Job. Avoid evil and fear God. It's very simple. Oftentimes in the church, we muddy the simplicity of the word of God. Fear God, love God, revere him for who he is, and hate evil and turn away from it. Pretty simple. But how often do we say, oh, well, if you don't do this, 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 and this, then forget it. Or you're not good enough. Because you know what? You're still making the wrong choices. Well, you know what? God's word says we're going to still make wrong choices. What do you do with that? Do you allow it to get you down? How often do we sit there and focus on our sin instead of focusing on the answer to our sin? People say, I have struggled with this sin for years. And it's true. Why? Because oftentimes we focus on our sin and our problem there. So we're always focused on the bad instead of focusing on what God's word says is our victory. We have victory in Christ and victory in the spirit of God. Therefore, you are no longer, what what was our memory verse this morning? Slaves unto unrighteousness, but slaves to righteousness. If you are slaves to righteousness, you have been given the ability to walk in righteousness. Why do we allow our sin to have so much power over our mind? Because we don't trust the word of God for its strength. God never gives us more than we can handle. He always provides a way out. Are we looking for the way out? Are we just looking at what's happening? Because if you never look for the way out, how are you going to find it? You're not. Psalm chapter 2, verse 12. The last part of verse 12. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Where do you find your strength? Where do you find your security and your comfort? Is it in Christ? 
or it is in what you're doing? Is it in your own strength, or is it in the safety that we find in Christ? For it's him that will protect his own. We're going to get more into that. It's the promise of the perseverance of the saints. Psalm 32. Flip over a little bit. Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How many of us want our guilt and our sin hanging over our heads still? No? No. But do we find our blessing in the fact that it's no longer there? Do we find ourselves understanding the reality of the cross? When Jesus said, it is finished, he didn't say it's finished until I do this, 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 and this. He didn't say it's finished until you recognize that your sin's gone. He said it's finished, complete. In Christ, our sins have been forgiven. We now stand justified before a holy God. Do you know how much power is in that knowledge? To know that we do not stand condemned. What did Paul say? There is therefore now, how much condemnation? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Stop living defeated. Why? Well, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. God gives us a roadmap for blessing. Do we recognize our blessings? Do we recognize the fact that we are not condemned in Christ? Do we still falter and fail? Yes, but we are still forgiven. We are still complete in the righteousness of Christ. Christ's righteousness is sufficient. It's just every time we sin, we see more reason why Christ was on the cross. It's what it is. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. This is the reason Jesus had to go to the cross. Because I sinned. It's personal. There's not one of us alive that cannot say it was my sin that put Christ on the cross. Now, we, there are people out there that deny that fact. And that's why they haven't come to the saving grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they can deny the gospel. If you deny the gospel, you will be stuck in your sin. Because there's no other way to stand before a holy God except through the saving power of the blood of Christ. Nothing. What the scriptures say? There's no other name given under heaven by which man can be saved. Not Buddha, not the Dalai Lama, not anything else. But through Jesus Christ alone, that is where we find our blessing. When we acknowledge the truth of scripture. Psalm chapter 40. Flip over a little bit. If you guys are ever discouraged, just read the Psalms. They're very encouraging. Because they're full of the truth and the dichotomy of David's life, right? David was not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. But he was a man after God's own heart. Because he found blessing in the truth of who God was and who he was in the eyes of God. And because he was quick to repent. Repentance is something that the church today forgets about often. And we should not. Psalm 40, verse 4. How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust. Do you trust in the Lord? If you do, you find blessing. If you trust in God and still don't find blessing, are you really trusting, right? Or are you, is your vision clouded by your circumstances around you? How many times is it until God gets us to look up do we remember our position in Christ? Take a look at Nebuchadnezzar, right? He ate grass like an animal for how many years? Didn't know you were going for a quiz today, did you? How many years did he eat grass like a donkey or an ox? Nope, seven. Seven years. And then what happened? Do you guys remember what happened? How did Daniel describe it? He did what? He looked up and acknowledged God. And his mind returned to him. Do you realize that is a great biblical truth? We, like unreasoning animals, deny the power of God and the gospel. When we come unto Christ, we look up. And we find our salvation. And we find the knowledge of who God is. Do you continue to look up? 
Or do you walk like this? Lord, I don't want to trip. Lord, I don't want to trip. How many of us drive a vehicle? How much harder is it to drive straight when you're looking at the end of the hood than it is looking out? You ever tried that? It's actually a fun little thing. Look at the end of your hood and try to drive straight down the road. It's really hard. But if you look down the road and focus on a point down the road, it's easier to drive straight. It's the same with Scripture. When you constantly look at your feet, Lord, you're going to light my path into my next step, but I can't look up. Well, you're not going to find Christ at your feet. You just said he's going to light your path so you don't stumble, but you've got to look up. You've got to look and acknowledge Christ who's leading you. How do you know where you're going unless you're looking ahead? He doesn't guarantee he's going to show us the end, but he said, I will show you the next step. We just have to walk in obedience and faith. Do we do that? Do we find our blessing in that? Psalm 41, next psalm. Psalm 41, verse 1. How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. How many of us have felt helpless at one point in our time in our lives? I have. Do you know what? What does this tell us? How blessed is he who considers the helpless, for the Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. We have a promise. When we are in trouble, we have help. It's guaranteed help. And how blessed are those who acknowledge it. Why? Because we start relying less on ourselves to fix the problem and more on Christ. We start looking at our hope. What did Peter say? We have a living hope. Do you know what it means, a living hope? It means it's alive. It means it's constantly going. It means it's not dead. Meaning when Christ died on the cross, it wasn't a dead hope. It was a living hope because Christ lives and intercedes on our behalf. Because we have the power of his spirit. What do he say? If I don't leave, the Holy Spirit can't come. And when he left, what happened? Believers are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. Is that power? Is that strength in our lives? Yes. Is that our hope? Absolutely. Why? Because it's living in us. We are to live out our daily life to the glory of God. Do we look at our lives and yield to God? Or do we focus on our problems? When you get focused on your problems, be guaranteed you are going to stick there. Because when you're looking at the problem, you're not looking at the one who can solve the problem or who has already solved the problem. Oftentimes we go through the same problems because we don't acknowledge the fact that God has already solved that problem. I know there have been times in my life where I've struggled with the same thing because I forget and I don't learn the lesson that God has there for me. It's a great reality of being a human. We focus on the problem and don't learn the lesson that God has for us. But you know what's amazing? When you learn that lesson and you get through it, it's like, wow, what took me so long to get there? I know, all, I know us who have walked in the faith for a while can all say that. We have been through something in our lives that God has continued to bring back until we finally learn what God is teaching us. Because we don't do this. We don't consider that the Lord is our deliverer our help in time of trouble. Psalm 65. Over just a little bit. Psalm 65. Psalm 65 and verse 4. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Who is blessed? Those who the Lord has chosen to bring near. How many of you are Christians? Do you know God has chosen you to bring you near for blessing? Do you know what the great truth of that is? When it's up to God, it's secure. When it's up to us, you're guaranteed to lose it. That's why salvation is secure. Because God has given it. God keeps us in salvation. We'll get to that truth a little bit later on. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. How much do you spend your day dwelling in the presence of God? You say, well, I'm busy at work. So? Just because you're at work, does that mean you can't pray? You can't meditate on the word of God? 
You can't dwell on the fascinating facts of creation. No. We can always be about loving God and loving others. You can live that out no matter where you are and what you're doing. Whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're out on vacation, whether you're at home, whether you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, or whether you're climbing the highest peaks, you can always be brought close to God by focusing on Him and His Word. Prayer is a great and powerful tool that God has given that we neglect more often than we use it. Are you a person of prayer? If not, why not? In prayer, we find power. Do you know that the scripture promises, even when we pray, if we sometimes don't pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit prays for us on our behalf? How comforting is that? I don't know how to pray today. You know what? Pray. Because God knows your need and he knows how to meet it. He knows how to satisfy your deepest longing. Again, go back to Makarios. It is described as an inner joy that is the fulfillment of every longing, serene, untouchable, unassailable contentment and peace. Are you not content? No peace in Christ. Find contentment in Christ. What did Paul say? I have learned what? What did he say? I have learned... I have learned... Okay, you guys, come on. I have learned what? What did Paul say that he learned? Talking about contentment. He learned the secret of contentment. How to be content in all circumstances. Whether beaten and left for dead. Whether flailing through the ocean on a shipwreck whether walking in plenty or walking in little whether hungry or whether full right do you realize contentment is one of the biggest struggles that we deal with why because we're selfish because we're not content with what god has blessed us with even though what we find in christ is full that's what makarios means that means that's what blessing means When you seek God and his blessing, you are full. If you are not content in that, why not? Look at your heart. What is pulling your heart away from God? Because that's all discontentment is. is not being satisfied with God. If you're not satisfied and you're not content, look at your heart. Why not? Psalm 84. Psalm 84, verses 4 and 5. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are forever praising you. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are their ways to Zion. Do you know how deep and rich that is right there? It tells us how we ought to walk. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. How often do you dwell in God's presence? What did David tell us? You're never away from God's presence, but how often do you dwell in it? There's a difference. Do you dwell in God's blessing? Do you dwell in his presence through prayer, through meditation, through fasting? Yeah, that's actually a commandment too, by the way. We'll get to that when we do our Bible studies. Do we find ourselves dwelling in his presence? And what does it say? They are ever praising you. If you are not a person of praise, check your heart. Because we have much to praise God for on a daily basis. And then it says, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Why? Because we know that in our own strength we are weak. But in our weakness the power of God is made strong. Why? Because we don't rely on our flesh. We rely on the Spirit of God. You want to be strong? Be weak. Kind of a weird statement, right? How blessed is the dead? You want to be strong? Be weak. Kind of one of those same things. But then it says, in whose heart are the ways to Zion. How often is your heart filled with the Word of God? Because that is our footpath to heaven. Why? Because it's in the power of God's Word that we are changed from glory to glory. It is in the power of God's word that a heart is renewed in the faith. It is in the power of God's word that we understand who he is, that we know how to walk, that we understand what blessing means, that we understand what contentment is. Again, if you are not content, look at your heart. 
Because we all ought to be content in the things that God has blessed us with. Because as a friend of mine used to say, I am better than I deserve every day. And make no mistake about it, we are better than what our sin deserves every day. And so are the wicked. That's that extra grace of God that he gives to all men. That we all still suck air. We all still have God's blessing in our life. But for us who are called Christians, are we content? Are we joyful? Are we walking with a view to heaven? Do people know that we are different? We're going to get into that reality later, of why we are to be different. Psalm 106. Psalm 106, verse 3. How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. Do you know this is one of the greatest fallacies in the church? The church doesn't walk in justice because it compromises, because it's tolerant. I'm sorry. But the Bible is clear. There's only one way to Christ. There's only one way to God. There's only one way to have salvation and joy. There's only one way to find blessing and contentment. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through the knowledge of who God is as he's revealed himself in his word. It's not through making an idol. It's not through putting God in a box that's comfortable. It's through getting uncomfortable with God. Because in our discomfort, we find comfort. Because where we find ourselves falling short, we find the sufficiency of Christ. Keep justice and practice righteousness at all times. At all times. Not when it's convenient. Not when it's easy. Not when you feel like it. Not when you remember it all times how do you do that be a person of the word and prayer and you will do that rely on the spirit of God to give you strength when you rely on yourself we become lazy and complacent Psalm 112 flip over a couple more Psalm 112 verse 1 and it starts off with a great theme here Praise the Lord. You want to be blessed? Praise God. How many of you come to church and when you praise God, you find blessing? Do you know how exhilarating it is? You guys see my energy level go up, right? Probably. If not, well. <laughs> I don't, I'm not this excited all the time, just so you know. I try to be, but not always. My excitement level goes up. Why? Because I find blessing in being around the people of God and worshiping a holy God together. Do you realize that's the whole point of eternity? Is to be with a group of people praising God for all eternity. Being of like mind, of one spirit, without the hindrance of sin, without the hindrance of our flesh, perfectly worshiping a God who is worthy. If that doesn't get you excited, you're looking in the wrong places for excitement. If you're looking for the fact of heaven's going to be all about you, you're looking at the wrong place. And you're looking at the wrong Bible. Because scripture is clear. God is the focus of eternity. God is the focus of all things, past, present, future. That will not change. Why? Because God is immutable. Again, God doesn't change. So if God has always been the focus in the past, God is the focus now, why would he not be the focus in the future? How blessed is the man who fears the Lord who greatly delights in his commandments. Do you know the commandments of God are not burdensome? Let me say that again. Do you know the commandments of God are not burdensome? Why? Because we don't have to try to fulfill them in our own strength. When you do, they become burdensome. Because you never measure up. It's the whole point of the gospel. It's the whole point of the blood of Christ. You can't do it. It's the whole point of the Old Testament, right? The moral law of God was to show us that we couldn't fulfill even the smallest part of God's law. 
10 little pieces and we couldn't even do them. How do we expect to fulfill a whole entire book? Through the power of the Spirit of God. It is in the power of Christ that we walk in obedience. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit living in our lives that we find victory to walk in obedience. You want to love God? Obey Him. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, you will obey me. No, our faith is not based on our works. Our works prove our faith. So often we get confused because we're like, well, if I start looking at fruit and works and all that, then maybe I'm trying to walk by works. No, the Bible is clear. Your works prove your faith. What's the great sarcasm of James? You want to show me your faith without works? Good luck. I will show you my faith by my works. Because those who believe, obey. Those who love, follow. John said, if you name the name of Christ, you will walk as Christ walked. That's a tall order. You want to be a good husband? Be like Christ. That's what Ephesians tells us. That's a tall order, people. It's not one you're going to do on your own. You have to do it in the power of Christ. Psalm 119. No, we're not going to, I'm not going to preach Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 2. Psalm 119, verse 2. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. You want to be blessed? Seek God with every fiber of your being. Because if you're seeking God, you're not seeking your own self-pleasure. When you're seeking God, you're not walking in foolishness. When you are seeking God, you are looking to Him and His character to get you to Him. You are looking to Him to give you the strength to do what you know you ought. But if you're seeking your own pleasure, you've turned your eyes away from God. If you're seeking your own contentment, you've turned your eyes away from where God has you and the point of why God has you there. You want to be blessed? Observe His testimonies. You want to be blessed? Seek him with all of your heart. God has promised those who seek him will find him. He's not some enigma out there that we're not going to find. He's promised those who seek will find. Those who ask, what? It shall be given to them. Do you know what the context of that is? Is as you are seeking God's will and you ask in God's will, he grants it. Why? Because God is faithful to himself even when we are not faithful. It's the power of the gospel. Even though we are faithless, he remains faithful. He is true to himself and to his word. Why? Because he is perfect. Turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. You mean we can find blessing here too? Yep. Proverbs chapter 8. Verse 32. Now, therefore, O sons, listen to me. You know, when the Bible says listen to me, we should listen. It's one of those kind of things that it's like common sense, but how often do we forget? Listen to me. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Who's talking here? Wisdom. Wisdom is personified. The wisdom of God is personified as a person here. Listen to me. You want to be blessed? Listen to the Lord. Verse 34. Blessed is the man who listens to me. Again, wisdom, God's wisdom. Watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. Do you know the gates of a city is where the elders, the wise of the city met? They met there for what? The purpose of meeting out justice. The purpose of dealing with people's problems. Of making judgments. Are we waiting at the gates of God's wisdom to understand God's judgments, to understand how we are to walk in justice and righteousness, in truth and understanding? If not, why not? Turn to Matthew chapter 5. And I know you all are familiar with Matthew chapter 5. 
but let's familiarize ourselves with the words of Christ. If we want to talk about makarios, blessing, let's see what Christ says. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a great portion of scripture because Christ says, blessed are you, and here's your blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because we are poor in spirit. We have nothing. We are destitute and depraved before God. Without Christ, we are empty. The whole point of Christ's sermon here is to point to himself and to the truth that through him you find blessing and you find promises. What's the promise? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who mourn. Why? For they shall be comforted. Who's the great comforter? Who's the great comforter? Holy Spirit. Who is? Sunday school answer. God, right? Yeah. Blessed are you who mourn. Why? Because you have promise of comfort. And why do we have promise of comfort? Because our mourning can be turned to gladness when we understand the truth of God's word. Now, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. What about for those who die without Christ that we know and love? How is there still blessing? Do you want to know the ultimate truth? Because God is glorified, whether we understand it or not. doesn't make it easier, but we also know that God will comfort us through those times. Do you know what it should also do? It should spurn us on to preach the gospel. If you love somebody, why do you withhold life? If you love somebody, why do you withhold the truth of God's word that through Jesus Christ and him alone is a redemption and forgiveness of sins? If you love somebody, you will not withhold the greatest treasure that you have. Verse 5, blessed are the gentle or the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, gentleness is one of the greatest things that most men struggle with. It's not easy. But it's biblical. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You see that promise right there? If you hunger for the things of God, you will be satisfied in the things of God. So why do we seek satisfaction in the things of this world? Well, because we're taking our eyes off Christ and we're not doing it his way. Worried about your comfort? Throw it aside. What did Jesus say? I didn't even have a place to lay my head. If you have food and clothing, be content. That's what Jesus said. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For you shall receive mercy. Again, it goes back to when Christ said, if you do not forgive, neither will I forgive. There's a great duality. Are you like Christ or are you not? If you refuse to forgive, are you walking in forgiveness? Because what is there any sin that can be done against you that you are not guilty of something worse? I don't know about y'all, but I was forgiven of much when God redeemed a sinner like me. There's nothing anybody can do to me that is greater than the sin that I committed against the holy God. And don't ever forget that. Because when you do, you withhold forgiveness from others. Forgiveness was given at a great price, the blood of Christ. Why do we withhold that which we were given so freely? Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. How many of you want to see God face to face? Yeah. Well, you know what? Everybody, whether you are a sinner and condemned to hell or a redeemed saint, will see God face to face. It's just how do you want to see him? with love and blessing and joy or condemnation and judgment because you refuse to bow your knee. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are you persecuted for your faith? If not, you will be. It's a promise. God has promised persecution to those who walk in faith. Why? Why? Because Christ was persecuted and we're not above our master. 
Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. What are you supposed to do? Rejoice and be glad. How many of us rejoice when we're persecuted? Sometimes. How many of us get angry about it? Sometimes. But the Bible and Christ said, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you realize that the prophets were more persecuted than most people you will ever meet in your life? There's not a one of them that had an easy life. Why? Because they stood uncompromisingly upon the gospel of God and the word of God. God said this. They dealt with sin. They pointed sin out. Do you realize that the prophets pointed sin out in the midst of the congregation? Do you realize that Jesus spoke of the church in one time, Matthew 18, deal with sin in the church because it has no place there. Are we faithful in confronting sin? If not, why not? Because Jesus said to do it. Deal with sin because sin corrupts. It taints. It mars. It dishonors. It spits in the face of God. Deal with sin, whether it's small or big, because it's all the same in God's eyes. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around. We look at heinous crimes and like, oh, that is so much worse. And then we go and we say a lie. And eh, it's not a big deal. It is, because it's the same in God's eyes. Do we deal with sin on a consistent basis? Turn to John chapter 20. I told you I'm going to keep you flipping through the Bible today. John chapter 20, verse 29. John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus said to him, and he's speaking to um, Thomas, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see me and yet believed. Do you realize you find blessing just because you believed in Christ? You don't believe that? You really need to go back to the beginning of the gospel. We have not seen Christ face to face. Bless you. And yet we believe and are blessed because of our belief. Why? Because we are brought into the family of God. We are adopted sons and daughters of God. Is there a greater blessing than that? No. I promise you there's not. Do you find joy in that? Do you find comfort in that? Do you find your unworthiness in that? To be co-heirs with Christ. Does that ever baffle your mind? Because it should. We who sin are blessed as co-heirs with Christ who is perfect. It's baffling. It's something that we're going to praise God for for all eternity. Because we are not worthy of that, and yet that has been given to us because of Christ. Because he is worthy. Turn to the book of James, chapter 1. James, chapter 1, and verse 12. James, chapter 1, and verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We also know those who love him obey him. But blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Why? Because in our perseverance, we see the hand of God working. We see the physical manifestation of God's Spirit in us. When you walk through a trial, and you walk through it faithfully, do you not stop and praise God that He's given you the power to do that? If not, why not? Because it's only by the power of God that we walk in obedience to our trials. How blessed is that man that recognizes that, that sees that and sees the hand of God physically manifested in his life. How often we look at the Old Testament and we look at Moses who saw the burning bush and we're like, oh man, I only have a moment like that. Do you realize that when you walk through your trials, God is right there, no less manifested in your life than he was in that burning bush speaking to Moses. Why? Because God's power is working in you to obedience. To his glory. First Peter 
just a couple pages over. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. 1 Peter 3, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Even if you suffer, you are blessed. Because you suffer the same way that Christ suffered. Because you show yourself worthy of suffering like Christ. Do you know that was Paul's greatest praise? That he was considered worthy to suffer for the gospel. He was considered worthy to suffer as his Lord suffered. Because it meant he was on the right path. It meant he was walking in obedience. When you are persecuted, you are blessed because you are being proved a worthy servant of Christ. Chapter 4, verse 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory in God rests on you. Right there, it spells it out pure, plain, and simple. If you are persecuted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because God's spirit of glory rests upon you. You want to be blessed? Be like Christ. You want to find blessing? Turn to the word of God. Obey it. Cherish it. Worship God. That is how we find blessing. That is how we find God in the midst of a sinful world. Because God's not missing. Just because of all the garbage going on in our world, God is not missing. He is not absent. As sin increases, what? We see grace more clearly in the lives of those who are obedient. Why? Because it's just like white snow. When you have a pure backdrop and you get stain on it, it stands out. When you have the backdrop of sin and the church stands faithful, it stands out. Do we stand out as faithful servants of Christ or do we blend in? Because we are called to stand out. We are called to be different. We are called to be beacons of the gospel. Do you know that if you are like the world, you are not attractive to the world, to Christ? You must stand firm in your faith so that people see the gospel being worked in your life. Do you know I had this conversation yesterday with family? That why is the church even appealing to the world? Because it looks so much just like it. Why do we look like the world? Why would we want to? That is what we were saved from. That is what spits in the face of God. We want to be like Christ. And we can be. How? By submitting to God's word, being obedient to the word, and to love Christ with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to teach our children to do likewise. That is what our purpose is. Love God, love the brethren, and love sinners with the gospel. It's very simple. And yet we muddy that water and make it complicated. Love God, love others. Why? Because those are the two greatest commandments. Why? Because in those two things, you will not sin. If you love God and you love your neighbor, you can't sin. It's when you either hate God or hate your neighbor that you find yourself in sin. Christ made it very simple. Love God, love your neighbor. I've already gone over an hour. And that's just my introduction. I haven't even finished it yet either. But, blessing. Do you want blessing? Find it in the right place. Because there's only one way to have blessing. So Lord willing, next week we're going to pick up the next five pages of notes. And finish two verses. I apologize for being long-winded in the introduction, but we have to set that foundation in order to walk through the rest. Because the blessing, if you don't know where to find blessing, the perseverance of the saints is not really that helpful. Because if you don't know how to be blessed, you're not walking in faith to begin with. So let's start there. Find your blessing in obedience to Christ. And then we can look at the great rich truth of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, which we're going to get into next week. It is rich. It is full. It is one of the greatest spiritual truths for us who believe. 
that we will persevere. It's guaranteed. We're going to look at that next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for the richness of your word. We thank you so much that we can sit upon one word for over an hour and find richness in it. Lord, your word is so filled with such great truths that we can sit upon a word for hours and never plummet steps. Lord, there's so much more in your scripture that we can find on being blessed. But help us to focus on the blessing of Christ in our obedience. Help us to stand apart from the world, that the world can look at us and see that we are different because we are obedient to Christ, because we love God, because we love you. Father, help us to be obedient and teach our children the same truths that we cling to. Help us to be a faithful example to our wives and to our children, to our husbands. Help us to be an example to those we come in contact with every day of why we are blessed because we are walking in the truth. Help us to be faithful in all things for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.